God will give us the much-needed peace to endure the trials we will face in life. Here's Pastor Ed with more. God is going to do that in your life. He's going to bring you to a place you've never been before. It's going to freak you out. Like all the people that were listening to the angel, fear not, because God is going to cause you to grow. It's part of that Holy Spirit living inside of you. Something you've never considered doing before, you've never seen before, you've never experienced before. Choose His peace, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you'll walk through it. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Just about everywhere you turn, there's something going on to make you feel a little edgy. We're living in difficult days. And in this world that is filled with bad news, it's nice to know that we as Christians have something comforting to cling to and we can experience the peace of God. We'll pass along some encouragement from Christ here today on Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed takes us to John chapter 14 and verses 10 through 31 today. And we invite you to join us there now for this message recorded at the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. If you love me, verse 15, keep my commandments. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor, so, so it's rules and regulations. No, that's not what he's saying. The result of surrendering to him is a changed heart. The result of saying, God, forgive my sins, I give you my life, is he comes in and takes out your heart puts in a new one. How so? We'll go a little further, you'll see it. Now, verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. You are not going to be here by yourself. I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Parakletos is the Greek word. Para means to come alongside to help. And even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees you nor nurse him, but he, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is in this place. For some of you, because you've surrendered your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is living in you, E-N. Greek is E-N, English is I-N. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is with you because somebody's praying for you and he's working on your life and you're here with a gun to your head. I don't know why you're here. But it wasn't your idea. But eventually God wants to change it to a third preposition, which is the Holy Spirit comes upon, H-U-P-E in the Greek language. That will happen, we'll see when we get to the book of Acts. It happens to every believer who surrenders their life to him. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. In other words, an orphan is the kid who lost his parents, right? Or at least one of them. 
And he's saying, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to be killed tomorrow is what he's saying. But don't worry about it. I'll come back a little while longer and you will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. We will see him. I used to believe, and I use this argument of my wife over and over again, if I see, then I'll believe. Show me a miracle. But God began to speak to me about, no, no, you must first believe, and then you'll see. What? If you'll believe that Jesus died for your sins, if you say, Lord, forgive my sins, I surrender, because I know you died for me, then you will see God working in your life and other people around you. It's not seeing is believing. It's believing leads to seeing, being able to see him. He who has my commandments and keeps them, verse 21. See, pastor, he's talking about doing all these commandments. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself. This is not the 613 commandments in the Old Testament. At least that's how many the Pharisees said there was. You do not get a relationship with God, salvation, by being a perfect citizen, by going to church, by reading enough of your Bible, by giving enough money, any of those things. You cannot earn heaven. He's talking about believing, and then you'll be changed in your heart. It's called the New Covenant. We are reading from the New Testament. We're not reading from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which was the 613 commandments. The one commandment in the New Testament is love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how does that happen? How does God change you? Ezekiel lived 700 years before Jesus spoke these words. In Ezekiel 36, he describes the new covenant that's supposed to be a reality in your life and mine right now. God speaking, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. Heart of stone? Hard heart? Me? Moi? (laughs) Oh, yeah, like granite. I'll take that stone out and give you a heart of my flesh. Compassion for people. All of a sudden, it won't be me first. You'll find yourself, because God is doing the work, changing you from the inside out, that you become more other-centered. You're looking at other people, not just yourself. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. This is still the new covenant. Take out your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Put my Holy Spirit within you. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and cause you to walk in my... Cause me? Yeah. Change your want to, your desire. Cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. You see, those of you that are believers and have been walking with, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you surrender your life to God, 
when you say, God, forgive my sins. Maybe it's an act of desperation or maybe it's a carefully thought through thing. But this happens. Heart of stone, taken out. Heart of flesh, put in. He writes his law of love on your heart and he begins to change you from the inside because the Holy Spirit is living in you. And so it's not sex, drugs, and rock and roll all the time now. All of a sudden, you're not comfortable. You don't like to do those things. In fact, you actually find yourself wanting to study the Bible. And other people start looking at you like you're out of your mind that know you well. You know, like you went through high school together or something. And then you start feeling pretty good about it. Wow, I am a Christian. This is great. And then you start thinking, God is really lucky to have me in his kingdom. <laughs> no, you idiot. God changed you from the inside. I'm talking to myself, okay? Maybe you. I wouldn't ask for a show of hands. You see, it's not because I'm a nice guy that I'm up here reading the Bible. If you'd have told me in 1971 that I was going to spend the rest of my life studying the Bible and talking to people about God, I would have said, no way. Only because I was a heathen dog, I wouldn't have said it that nicely. You see, God takes broken people. God takes people living in darkness and sin and death. And he invades their life and changes them from the inside. That's our hope. Nobody earns heaven. It's a gift from God. It's when he comes inside you. A little further. Judas, not Iscariot, this is Thaddeus, says, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself? To, why will you show yourself to us and not the world? He's thinking like a Jew. He's thinking like, well, the Messiah is supposed to come and throw the Romans out of our country. How can you do that if you won't show yourself to the world? You only show yourself to us. He doesn't understand that the Messiah is coming to change lives, a kingdom that can't be seen until you believe. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. The result of surrender is you'll keep his word. And my Father will love him, and we'll come to him and make our home with alongside them. He who does not love me does not keep my word. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Obedience is the result of surrender. Don't get that backwards. Salvation isn't earned. The fruit of the Spirit is a life that becomes more and more surrendered to God. It's a gift from God. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Let's return to John 14 as Pastor Ed picks up in verse 27 and is teaching about peace from God. Last section, peace, peace. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. I'm going to be gone tomorrow. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance of all things that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit has promised to teach us. When we started the service, I said, God, send your spirit and teach us. We need to learn from your word. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in you, and then he begins to teach you from the inside out. And then this famous statement, verse 27, peace 
I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The Living Bible says it a little clearer. This is Kenneth Taylor's translation. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. Peace of mind is a gift from God. You and I must apply it to our lives. But it's something that's available to any person who surrenders to him. Old Testament and New Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the book of Daniel, there's a cool story where these three Jewish boys are in captivity in Babylon, along with the rest of the Jews who had been taken out of Jerusalem. The king of Babylon, being the humble guy that he is, builds a 60-foot tall statue of himself. What's funny about that is the dictator in North Korea just built a 50-foot tall statue of himself. He's not quite as arrogant as the king of Babylon, but he's within 10 feet. It's pretty close. So back in Babylon, he says, I'm going to bring a worship band in, and when they play, everybody should bow down to my statue. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, go. And the band starts playing. And everybody in the kingdom out on the plain of Dura, this big flat plain, they all go face down in the dirt, except for three teenage boys in the back, all the way in the back. And he says, this is really great. And he says, hey, what are those guys doing back there? Bring them to me. And a guard goes out and gets them and brings them back. He said, what are you doing? You're supposed to bow down. He said, we serve the living God. We won't bow down to you. Well, I'll throw you in the furnace. Well, our God is able to save us from the furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you because we serve only him. Fire up the furnace. Fire up the furnace. Take the boys, throw them in. And he looks and he says, hey, how many people did we throw in there? He said, three. He said, I count one, two, three. I count four. And the fourth one looks like the Son of Man. Looks like an angel. It was Jesus. They were at peace. They knew they were doing what God wanted them to do. Something they'd never done before. <laughs> Nobody ever threw them in a furnace before. They were stepping into the unknown. God is going to do that in your life. He's going to bring you to a place you've never been before. It's going to freak you out like all the people that were listening to the angel. Fear not, because God is going to cause you to grow. It's part of that Holy Spirit living inside of you. Something you've never considered doing before, you've never seen before, you've never experienced before. Choose his peace, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you'll walk through it. I've known a physician here in town for a long time who has an interesting office. There's a survey, some of you who probably have seen him will know who I'm talking about. But when you go to his office and you're waiting to go in for your appointment, there's a survey the nurse gives you with a pen and asks you to fill it out. It's stuff like, have the, have the nurses been courteous to you? Did you have to wait a long time? Have, are you having trouble getting prescriptions? Those kind of things. But the last question on it, because he's a believer, he said, What's your number one wish? 67% of his patients answer peace of mind. 
struggling, a world of people struggling with anxiety because they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to have control of their lives. Let me say that in a little bit different way. Follow with me. Catherine Marshall was an author, wife of the chaplain of the Senate, Peter Marshall. She wrote a, a number of great books. If you haven't read her, you should get them. They're still in print. So she was writing about her girlfriend named Marge. She was on an airplane waiting to fly. She wrote, my friend Marge had an experience aboard a plane bound for Cleveland. It'll make sense in a minute. Waiting for takeoff. As she settled into her seat, Marge noticed a strange phenomenon. On one side of the airplane, the sunset filled the entire sky with amazing colors. But out of the window on next to her, it was filled with a storm and lightning, clouds. All I could see was dark, threatening sky out the one next to her. Plane fires up, starts to roll down the tarmac, and she said, as the plane engines began to roar, a gentle voice spoke within me, the Holy Spirit. You have noticed the windows. Your life, too, will contain some happy, beautiful times, but also some dark shadows. You see, it doesn't matter which window you look through, this plane is still going to Cleveland. So it is in your life. You can focus on the bad things or you can focus on the bright things, but I am in charge either way, and your final destination isn't determined by what you see or feel along the way. Peace of heart, peace of mind is a choice. Did you hear that? You have that available. It's a gift from God, he said. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. God is doing a great work through radio, and you can be a part of it. And when you support us with a gift of any amount, we want to say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to His immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift in any amount to grow in grace. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio.com 
at AOL.com. That's PackingHouseRadio at AOL.com. Let's go ahead and finish up today's message now with this illustration of peace in the middle of a storm. Let me say it again. We'll close with this in a slightly different way. We did a song on purpose because it fits this message. When we were singing in our worship, it is well with my soul. Now, some of you probably know the history of that song, but let me tell you again or remind you of it because it fits what we're talking about. So the guy that wrote his name was Horatio Spafford, of all things. He had a wife named Anna, wonderful Christian couple. They lived in Chicago, very active in their church. They uh, went to Moody Church in Chicago. D.L. Moody was kind of the Billy Graham of, of that day. And he did crusades all over the United States, and they helped him with their crusades. Even though he was, Horatio was a businessman and had a busy bunch of apartments and things. Well, everything was wonderful in their life. It was just like a, a privileged life until 1870. And that year, their son, they had five children, four girls, and the youngest was a boy, Horatio Jr. Their son got scarlet fever and died in two days. They lost him. And it devastated the family. They lived this, this seemingly perfect life, and all of a sudden, God allowed this terrible thing to happen to them. And if that wasn't bad enough, a few weeks later, the Chicago fire roared through Chicago and burnt out 100,000 people with no place to live, killed over 300 people, and all his businesses, Spafford's businesses, were wiped out. And they were going, really? Two things at once. This is too much, Lord. D.L. Modi went to them and asked them to come with him or to go to England because he's going to do a crusade me in London. And so they agreed that, well, it might be good to get away from the, all the things that are happening in Chicago and the death of our son. So the wife and the four daughters that were left got on a, a ship, and Horatio was going with him, but the last minute there was a business problem. He said, listen, I'm going to have to stay for a couple of days. I'll get on the very next ship and meet you in London. Well, I said, that's fine. We can handle that. Five days to get from New York to London in those days. Four days out in a terrible fog and storm, the wife and daughter's ship ran into an English sailing ship, and both ships went down in a matter of minutes. 297 people drowned. Only 50 people survived. One of them was Anna Spafford, the mother, but all four of her daughters drowned in the ocean. She was picked up by an English ship, shortwave, and sent a message back to her husband, two words, saved alone, devastated Horatio. He got on the very next ship, and it's five days to get to England back then. And when he, he told the captain what was going on, when the captain knew they were at the, about the spot where his daughters drowned, he told him, and, and he went out on the deck, and he leaned up against the rail. He had a notebook in his hand, and he watched the water going by. And he wrote down these words. 
When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This is a man that understood my peace I live you, I leave you, my peace I give you. Occasionally in my life, when sea billows roar, and I feel like everything I'm doing isn't working, and it's especially hard, and you get those feelings, you know, poor me. Here I am, Lord, trying to serve you, trying to do it right, and doggone it, you let things happen to me. Wine, wine, snivel, snivel. The Holy Spirit quietly says to me, the plane is going to heaven. You can look out the window at the storm, or you can look at the beautiful sunset. You choose. Talk about something to be thankful for as we close out another Grow in Grace. Jesus died in our place, and because of that, we can experience eternal life and peace. Tomorrow, we'll bring you John chapter 15 as we continue through the New Testament here on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your